Hey, it's Marcel. Imagine how awesome it would be if this year, 2023, your employees were more engaged and, and into their work. They made better decisions, collaborated without any of those people issues, and just performed at a high level to produce great work. You know, as leaders, we know that these attributes eliminate countless headaches and help scale the business. But quite shockingly, we often see the exact opposite behaviors take place in our teams. So we developed a hybrid leadership course to help emerging leaders bring out the best in their people. So together with your management team, we're going to help you identify the leadership skills that will result in high performance in yourself and in your employees. We're going to identify what it takes to inspire, motivate, and engage human beings to do their best work. We're going to teach you the leadership habits that will attract A players to come work for your organization. You're going to learn how to overcome the number one obstacle to clear communication, and you'll discover your personality strengths and blind spots and how to overcome those blind spots to help improve your work relationships. If you want to learn more about this unique leadership course, visit my website, marcelschwantes.com, and click on training. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Hey, welcome to the show. We remain the only show on the planet that brings in experts to positively convince the world that practical love and care creates business impact and helps to scale your business. Glad you could join us. We circle the globe now in 168 countries. And if you're joining us for the first time and you like what you hear, hey, we would love it if you could just share this episode with a friend. So my guest today is Lisa Anna Palmer, the international best-selling author of Light of Fire in Their Hearts, The Truth About Leadership, which we will get into and I cannot wait to dive into that book. Lisa is founder and CEO of Light Your Leadership, Inc., and creator of the LYL Talks podcast. She speaks, coaches, mentors, and trains managers and executives internationally to help them elevate and scale their leadership so that they can become the type of leader people love to work with and give their best. Part of her vision, and boy, do I love this vision, and of course, I share this vision with her, <laughs> is to build a platform that will shine a light on leaders who put people first and put planet first as well. Lisa now joins us. Welcome, Lisa, to the Love and Action podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Marcel. I'm so happy to be here with you. Me too. It's been a long time coming. So we have this kickoff question for listeners to kind of get acquainted with you. You ready? I'm ready. What's your story? Yeah, that's that's a big question. So I'm going to keep it focused on, you know, my why. And, you know, today I, I coach and train uh, executives and managers, and it's not by accident. It's because... I actually had three burnouts by the age of 38. Oof. And, you know, the first one, I was 28 years old, actually. Uh, I was working for a big six firm. and I was working 100-hour weeks. And um, they had to actually take me away in an ambulance 
Oh my goodness. I was so burnt out at 28 and I felt like I was dying. I had a massive migraine. I couldn't even walk. And, you know, you think I'd learn, <laughs> but uh, I'm a little bit stubborn. So I burnt out another two times. The second time my son was a toddler. And the third time my stomach just turned into such a big knot that I couldn't eat or drink for two weeks. So I had to go to the hospital again. And, you know, what I realized from all that after, you know, soul searching is like, what's happening to me? Because I changed employers. So it wasn't like, you know, and I found that I didn't have the courage or the self-compassion to a degree where I needed to be able to speak out for myself. So I was missing the self-leadership that was needed. And that was met by people who had a lack of leadership abilities, who cared enough about me to notice that I was going down the spiral. So that's what really helped me to, you know, when I started my business, I said, what do I want to focus on? I want to focus on leadership, both helping people connect with their own inner leader and as well as formal leaders to be able to uh, notice, care about, love their employees enough to notice uh, when they were going down that vortex. How it's fascinating to me because so many of um, of people's calling and purpose and for their why for what they do comes from trauma, previous trauma. And and it, that causes them to want to like shift not only in shift themselves out of that situation, but then it's like it becomes a higher calling to call people out of that, call systems and organizations out of these toxic environments. And, and you and I have sort of a similar background. You know, we come from the HR space, talent management and all that. And my story is kind of similar to yours. I ended up in the hospital as well. I don't know if I call it burnout, but maybe you maybe you can tell me if this is burnout, Lisa. I worked in such a stifling, fear-based, intimidating environment, very toxic, top-down, you know, a pressure cooker, right? No support, none of that stuff. And that I, uh, one day my back basically went out and I end, ended up in ER. And then in, in two months of disability, I could not move. I was basically, you know, I, I was on my hands and elbows, uh, you know, living out of my carpet, basically crawling around. And the doctor says, Hey, what's your stress level on the scale of one to 10? This is the ER doctor. And I said, well, doc, to be honest with you, it's a 25. And he goes, well, that explains it because you have so much cortisol rushing through your body that your back could not sustain it. And he goes, the first thing you need to do once you're off disability is you need to find a new place to work. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, so it's, it's, it's kind of like this toxicity that is still prevalent in today's workplace. I attributed my toxicity to management or leadership right, or a lack of leadership as causing the symptoms that I felt in the, you know, and, and all of that stuff. So interesting. You, you come, you and I come from the same cookie cutter, if you will. And we also we both have our our, our horror stories of the past to yes. share, but that has led to our our calling, our why as well. So it's really cool. Exactly, you know. And Marcel, when we first talked, when we first met, you mentioned something which I had actually written down somewhere a few years ago. Is like, you know, I want to help end workplace suffering. Yeah, I believe that people shouldn't have to suffer or even die in order to have a paycheck and to earn a living. It, it's not right. And I, I really believe that it comes back to, you know, the way we show up in leadership 
you know, leaders forget the power they have over others. They don't realize, you know, they their, their thought is when when they're when they're acting out, perhaps they're being abrupt or you know they're they're taking it out on their staff or whatnot. They they might not realize that you just broke the camel's back. That person's going to go home and have to, you know, like in your case, their back hurts and my case, my stomach clamped down and all my clients that I see who are also suffering, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Right. Mm. Yeah. And that, that really ties into, I I guess, everything that you and I do to call people out of these, these, the the way of, of leading, leading other people. So I want to dive in and, and kind of explore this fantastic book of yours. So, so light a fire in their hearts, the truth about leadership. And also underneath that, there's, I don't know if it's, this qualifies as a, as a subtitle or not. It says a guide for igniting engagement using the wisdom that sets great leaders apart. So right off the bat, <laughs> two words stick out for me from the cover of your book, truth and wisdom. You know, those are not words that, that authors throw throw around lightly and put on the cover of a, of a, of a book that's published internationally. So what's the truth about leadership and what would you say is the wisdom that sets them apart? Yeah. And you know, I did think it was a bit bold to do that. So, but I went for it anyway, (laughs) Uh, because I think there are a lot of myths about leadership. I'm not claiming it's the ultimate truth, but I do think that there are some things that are, you know, pretty, pretty wise to do and seeing one another as human beings is the is the primary part and that comes back to you know your message about love my message about compassion in the workplace we need to stop looking at one another as robots machines numbers it's like let's look at it, one another as human beings let's connect at that level and you know when we do that it unleashes human potential and to me, when I see that the focus is on results at the cost of people's lives and health, it doesn't even make sense. It's not rational to me because you're burning out, burning out. So that flame is going out. You need to light it back up again, right? You're burning out the flame and the assets, if you will, that are are, are making your company function, your organization function, the world function. So if you're burning out people, that's very short-sighted. So I think that the truth is, if you treat your people with respect, dignity, you are a good leader, then you know what? It's better for everyone, including yourself as a leader, because I know a lot of leaders are pretty miserable and hate their life. Uh, you know, And uh, they might not admit that in public, but uh, when you get them behind closed doors and, and they talk about and share their experiences, they're not really happy either. So and and when you talk about trauma, you know, I have I have a friend, he he wrote The Elevated Leader. His name is uh Ryan Gottfordson, and he says, hurt people hurt people, right? So in order to become better leaders, we need to heal our own trauma. So those are just some nuggets of truth and wisdom. And because we we, you know, statistics are important, research is important, of course, but there's certain things we just know growing up. We know when we're kind to somebody. Yeah. We know yeah. how to be compassionate, we know how to love right? Or most of us do. And so why not extend that to people that we see every day for eight hours, 10 hours, 11 hours a day? Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about 
What happens when there's this absence of good leadership? And this is kind of the topic that, you know, you bring up in chapters one and, and two. And and I, I yes, I'm going to bring the word suffering back, right? That that when you have bad leadership, it causes a lot of suffering and, and disruption in the workplace. So can you share maybe a story about the impact that a lack of leadership or if you prefer bad leadership has on people at work? Yeah, absolutely. And I have, unfortunately, many stories of people I've observed um, suffering at work because of bad leadership. So just a couple of times I heard this, this, this just, just drives home the, the, the inhumanity of it all. Okay. That how bad it can get. So there were three separate occasions when somebody shared with me that, you know, their, their mother had just passed away. They went to the funeral. They called their boss and said, I don't think I can come in tomorrow. I'm, I, I just need another couple of days to, to, you know, get to get it together and their boss said, no, actually, you need to come into work tomorrow. Three times. Okay, so that's just one example. That That's an extreme example. More day-to-day stuff would be, for example, and I talk about Anissa in the book. So she wanted, she was very glad to be able to share her story so that others could, could know and get some insight into what happens into when somebody's suffering at work because of bad leadership. So she was a, a very good, committed employee, wanted to please and because of the, there were reorganizations and there were situations where her boss now uh, would have wanted to give a job to their own friend. And so Anissa was kind of getting in the way and they started becoming abusive to her. They started excluding her from meetings. So they would have meetings or they would go for coffee and everybody on the team was invited, but not Anissa. And the boss asked Anissa to uh, schedule a meeting uh, for you know, the the group, there may have been 20 people there. And there, I think the story is that maybe there was enough, enough chairs or was some, some, some little confusion. Well, the, the director yelled at Anissa in front of like 20 people. Anissa went home and had a stroke. Oh, I... Okay. And th- this is how important this knowledge is, is that, I invite leaders to think about, okay, what happens to your body when you get stressed? Like if you know you're in a situation that's intense or whatnot, your blood pressure goes up, you start to feel red, you feel like your head's going to blow or whatever, right? You get like this. If that's happening to somebody every day, guess what happens to them? They get really sick. And there's a wolf study that was conducted in Sweden, which demonstrated that if you work with incompetent leaders, which you know includes leaders who don't know how to lead properly, who don't know how to engage with their employees, your risk of coronary heart disease goes up by 25%. If you stay with that incompetent leader for more than four years, it goes up to 64%. And I can tell you that I've met several people in my practice and also in workplaces who have had coronary heart disease, and it's usually related you know, you can't say causation, but oftentimes it's it's like just what puts the person over the edge, right? So, you know, those are just some examples of what bad leadership can do. Yeah. So can bad leaders become good leaders? Is there, because a lot of people will say, no, once once a bad leader is always a bad leader, right? You know, and some people might, might say, well, you know, they he just doesn't have the 
call it whatever you want, the EQ or the character or uh, the, the, the capacity to serve human beings as, as a servant leader. We'll get into the servant leader in a minute. But but really, are you of the mindset that a bad leader can become a good leader? Yeah, well, you know what? I, there, I, I think there are situations where it's not really possible <laughs> or it might be very, very difficult. You know, there needs to be a will. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's uh, a realization and the person realizes they're like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. My employees are getting sick. I'm having bad interactions. I, you know, I need help. I want to be a good leader. So that to me is an opening. It's like, okay, so this person is not happy. They know things aren't going well and they have a desire to change. So to me, that it, when that's in place, yes. Yeah. Quick story. A few years back, a company calls me up, right? And says, Marcel, we want, we want you to coach this VP. He's, uh, he's having people issues. Turnover in his department is like 60%. And it turns out that he was not a, he was not underperforming. He was a go-getter. He's all about results, 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 but at the expense of people. And so that's why the term turnover was high. Um, so I, talk to this individual before I brought him on as a client. I wanted to find out what's really going on. And uh, and so I talked to this VP and I said, and said, what, you know, and it turns out that, yeah, they were making him, his his bosses, his the board and his executive was making him want to get coached to change his behavior and so I asked, do you want to be a better leader? And he goes, no, I am very comfortable with my style. And so that became a conflict of interest with me. So I went back to the company and said, I can't, I can't take on your, your client. I'm sorry. It's just uh, they have to have, a, they have to be wanting the change, have the desire to do it and want to change their sort of their mindset and create new habits and they want to they have to want to do it you can't be you can't force him to do something that goes against the grain for that individual so uh anyway that never became a a, a client but we see this a lot and you know leadership is hard lisa and to be a leader it's it's a higher aspiration kind of a kind of a role that you have to take on you have to completely believe in stepping into that role and understanding that now you're in a position to positively affect the lives of other people, right? And that's part of leadership. So uh, it's interesting that... Well, it's a big responsibility and people aren't ready for it or even give it the conscious thought. For example, why do people accept that promotion, right? Not necessarily always thinking, or often they're thinking about, oh, I'm getting a promotion, I'm getting recognized for my work, I get a salary increase, all these things, right? Without thinking about, oh my gosh, now I'm responsible for 20 people and their lives. That kind of makes you think a bit, you know, about it. And I, I remember when I when I got promotion into leadership roles, uh, I was the same, you know, it's like I did want to do make things better for sure. But, you know, you have these thoughts, you don't necessarily go into the depth of the, um, the, the self-reflection that needs to take place. And that's, I think one of the messages I have is like, really think about it first. Is that for you? Like, are you interested in that? And what kind of person do you want to be? And are you, you have that openness to shift? Are you ready to do the hard work? 
But not only that, what I find is when people go through this transformational process of growing to be the best version of themselves or be on that journey is that their whole life changes. Their whole life gets better because you're a leader, you're a leader, you're a leader, right? Whether you're at home or at work or leadership comes from the inside out. It's a state of being. It's an energy that wants to do good. So when you unleash that, you know, your whole life can change. Yeah. Well, uh, and my, my advice to you, if you're a, a rock star individual contributor and they want to promote you to management, I question their motives to want to promote you, the rock star individual contributor to manage. So question that first, um, because they may not know, the superiors may not know what it takes to be in the leadership role. And you, the rock star individual contributor, I would question whether it's really for you if you have the the mindset, the belief, and the capacity to step into that role. Because leadership is hard. It's so hard. I, I, yeah. And, and it's you, different than the technical, uh, you know, the technical expertise, the professional expertise that we need. It's totally different. So people spend their entire career or their entire education, learning about being good in marketing and finance and all these things. And then they go to a weekend workshop and expect it to become leaders, which is the toughest part of their job, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, wow. Uh, let's see. I was thinking about which direction to take this. And I, I just, I'm, it's itching at me. So I'm just going to jump into the the servant leadership piece here. You and I are huge fans. We're big believers and and practitioners, and we teach, coach other people to become servant leaders. So this is part three uh, of your book. And and so I'm always curious. I know the answer. I, I know that you know the answer, but let the audience kind of hear. How would you describe servant leadership in your own words? Yeah. Well, in my own words, it's a, a servant leadership is really, again, I'm coming back to that energy that wants to do good. And how do we manifest that in the world? And servant leadership doesn't mean that you deny yourself. It means that you look after yourself, you love yourself enough, you have self-compassion, and that you extend that outwards to others, and you help them to become the best version of themselves. And that together you have this idea about how are you going to achieve something greater than all of you put together, right? When, When you all come together to be of service to your clients, to your community, to the world, you know, and you have a mindset of like, how can I help others? And that and it becomes about, you know, not just like, how can I look after myself, be number one and, you know, be mean to get ahead and all that stuff. It's it's more about really being the best version of yourself and to be of service, you know, to others, as well as, you know, to be able to see yourself that you're connected, you're all connected together. We're here for a purpose. How do we engage others in in being the best version of themselves and to contribute to society, to our workplaces. And, and what that takes is a, an other's focus. It takes an outward focus. Yes. Stop looking at people as objects, right? Start looking at them at, as human beings. Yeah. It's it's selfless leadership that does not imply that you don't look after your own needs and yourself. You're not a martyr. You're not. This is a, you're not. You know, a lamb being sacrificed at the altar here. I mean, there's so many misconceptions about serving. Do you get this a lot? I get a lot of misconceptions. People think craziest ideas about what servant leadership is or what it's not, and I I find myself having to educate 
um, potential co- clients that come to me and they, you know, they, Marcel, we want server leadership training. Okay. Well, tell me what your understanding of it is first. I want to make sure what, right. yeah, what Let's you make know. sure we're on the same page. Right. Exactly. And, and then there's, you know, there's the, I don't even get into um, having to overcome objections anymore because if they have to be convinced of servant leadership, they're probably not going to be a good student for any of my courses because, well, I guess I go right back to mindset and belief. You have to already believe in in the premise that servant leadership is going to be great for culture change. It's going to be great for employee engagement and motivating people, et cetera. But what would you say is some of the misconceptions of servant leadership oh that God. you know that come your way all the time? Yeah, well, I think the main one is is that, like you said, you have to be the sacrificial lamb, and you know, and how it how that manifests is that. And I used to do that too. You know, I I, I think that's why I ended up in the hospital. Was you know, uh, do everything that you can. Don't bother others. You know, almost have pity for others, which you know comes back. You know, instead of compassion, you know, it's it's there's like a flip side to it, and um, just to like be selfless and to the point where you're not eating anymore you're like uh you're skipping lunch you're uh you're, you're being you're, gandhi you're being gone <laughs> yeah well i think even gandhi ate, <laughs> ate lunch so uh you know so there were days where i was sitting at that computer because some person was sick the other one wasn't uh and i was a young i was 33 and the next person on the team i think was in her 40s so i, I had that challenge as well and uh, so I didn't want I didn't want to bother anybody. So I would end up doing stuff. It's like, oh no, she's busy with her, you know, with her family and this and that. So I would take everything on myself, and uh, I didn't, you know, want to hold people accountable. I didn't want to make them feel bad, things like that. So that I have to shift out of that as well. So it's servant leadership is not that. It's like how do we we need to hold one another accountable, myself included, right? And how do we do that with caring and appreciation instead of blaming and pointing fingers and being nasty to each other? Um, it's about, you know, challenging people to be the best version of themselves, maybe helping them stretch out of their comfort zone. How do you support that, right? So it's not about you doing all the work and just making sure everybody's happy, happy, giving them pizza lunches and all that stuff. It's about ensuring people have what it takes to do their work, that they're inspired, they're engaged, that if they get stuck or have blocks, that you're going to help them through it. You, you're in there together. You're in the trenches together uh, to to be the become the best version of ourselves. And that self development work that you know, as as Ryan calls it, vertical development uh, is not easy. It's hard. So let's do that together. And as a servant leader, I think that we take on that role as real servant leaders to like, okay, I'm going to do this work, and we're all going to do this work together. We're going to become the best version of ourselves. We're going to produce great stuff. It's going to be engaging, and we're all going to make sure that we feel supported and care about one another. Yeah, you know, uh, I've had Ken Blanchard on the show a couple of times, and uh, he always uses the the the, the metaphor of you know, uh, servant leadership is not handing the prison keys to the inmates right because now they're in control and a lot of people i think fear that servant leadership is so soft and fuzzy that you become subservient to those that work for you and so you become like door a doormat because they'll they'll take control and they'll won't they won't respect you but that's that's i think the paradox lisa of servant leadership is that you have the servant part which is yeah it's the warm and fuzzy part but then you 
counter that with the leadership part, which demands uh, results and strives for excellence and holds people accountable for their performance. Right. And so when you when you have that 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 balance of the two, it's a perfect paradoxical mix of great leadership uh, that will really impact the business. Yeah. And that's why when I talk about, you know, uh, the three C's of connection, you know, it's compassion, courage, and competence. You need the balance. And it's not about being a doormat. And you know what? When you get people on their own, like most people want to do good at work. Most people, you know, want to find meaning in their work. Most people want to please. If you do, if you are able to connect with them at the human level and be real, if if people, employees feel like either that you're the doormat or that you're after them or that you can't stand them, they're not going to be motivated to do good work. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if, if they feel that you're not the type of leader who cares about their growth, who wants to challenge them in a good way so that they can, you know, reach their goals so that they can do well and also care about their health. So that means you're not going to burn them out. You know, I had a situation last week where we're creating this big giant uh, program funnel and it's, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty challenged by it. Anyway, somebody on my team writes to me and, and says, I'm going to work on this tonight. You know, I, I got a sinus problem and stuff. I'm like, no, please don't work on it tonight. I don't want you to. It goes against our values. It's like, go rest. And then tomorrow, hopefully you'll feel better. If you don't let me know, go rest. And then we'll get it done tomorrow. I said, you, I care about you more than launching this thing. We can go a day later. It's fine. Right. So that she's like, it took the pressure off the next day. She, she feels better. She does what I thought would have taken her two days and four hours. So that to me is a really important lesson. Like when you push your employees to burn out, and that means, you know, how, making them work long hours, not take care of themselves, not taking lunches, not doing their exercise, all that stuff. They might, you know, give you output there, but it's short-sighted because in the long term, they're going to burn out. If you want them to be optimal, what do athletes do? They take care of their bodies. They take care of their mindset. So you're going to try to help your employee to make good choices so that they can be there and be healthy and do their work. And then guess what? Everybody wins. Yeah. Okay. Just so you and I are not in this echo chamber where we're just going to believe our own voices. I'm going to pull a little devil's advocacy here. Okay. I love that. So Go. some, <laughs> some critics on. of the servant leadership movement, and there are many believe that in, in, in this post pandemic age, the practice of servant leadership is outdated that with newer generations coming in generation Z that you know as we work increasingly more in the remote settings in digital environments where people don't even talk to each other because hey we can be more productive and more efficient by just using our devices right and so they're saying that server leadership no longer has a place for for to create impact do you agree uh no, not at all. Uh, in fact, I think it's quite arrogant because servant leadership shows up in every ancient culture. It's been around for thousands of years, as in the book. It's 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 across religions. There are there are there's wisdom about servant leadership, and the thing is, is that you know where does that come from? Where does that idea that servant leadership is bad come from? It comes from a space of 
people who don't know how to do it and don't understand it. And how can you have bad results by being human beings and wanting to help each other out? It doesn't even add up. Like if you do the math, it doesn't add up, you know, to say that there's no place for it. I work with people in their twenties all the time and they love it. They, they, they look, they look for guidance. They look for, they don't want to be judged or told you're doing things wrong because they do things differently. But you know what? I asked them a question Five minutes later, what would have taken me three hours? They've got like 10 different sources and then they've got a video that they're making with it. <laughs> like it's, it's it's incredible. So I think it comes back to as a servant leader, looking for people's strengths and bringing those strengths together. And I think the, the element of treating people like human beings is going to stay forever. And even whether, you know, it's it's on a phone Uh, that you're texting each other, whether you're having a meeting virtually in any other way in person, that that human connection piece doesn't go away. The tone of my text is is important. Uh, The way I connect through the screen is important. Uh, The way we act when we're in person, we're flying together is important. So just a, a quick, um, a quick little tidbit here. So I'm going to the remote, um, work conference running by running remote and I'm going to be a participant there. And, but I, when I, when I interviewed uh, Liam Martin, who is the CEO of running remote, what he talked about was there are a lot of things that can be done asynchronously. So let's do the process, the technology, all, you know, the, the instructions, all that, that can be done asynchronously. Let's do that. And let's keep meetings for the human conversations. How are you doing? What's up with you? Are you feeling blocked? Can I help you? What's going on? What do you? What are your aspirations? Right. So there's a different way. There's a revolution in the way you're going to work, and I think this is a prime opportunity to really figure out how can we be servant leaders in this new uh, context. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Which I think I would boil down down with everything you said into one summary, and that is that. Servant leadership, does it apply to remote and digital environments? Yes. Does it apply to strictly in-office, face-to-face environment? Yes. It's being able to apply the best of servant leadership to the context of what you're doing in the way that you conduct work day-to-day. Because, you know, to me, at the end of the day, servant leadership is about creating impact and value and empowering people. And, and to succeed in removing obstacles from their path. You can do that in whatever environment you're in, right? Whether you're in Los Angeles or somewhere at the Arctic Circle, you're going to need that kind of environment to help people to thrive because human beings are designed to be cared for. And that's the premise that I come from. I think you'll agree with me on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're social beings, right? And I mean, even in developmental psychology, children who are not, uh, who are neglected, who don't have that human connection piece, they don't develop as well. And as as adults, that continues on. We're just big children in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, as we wind down here, uh, Lisa, I want to ask you, what's your ultimate hope for people reading your book? Mm, the ultimate hope is that they really see compassion as a superpower, Compassion is the empathy plus the desire to help. And that is uh, definitely a big stepping stone towards moving 
to uh, uh, workplaces where love becomes uh, the anchor. And I believe that people can really focus on developing the leadership from the within, lighting that fire in their hearts to light a fire of others. And that together, we need to come together to make this world a better workplace. Mm, good, good, good. So I pose you the leadership love question tradition on the show. We love to like dig into every every answer we get here to see what comes up to the surface. Now we're 170, what, four podcasts in. And it's amazing the the kind of answers we get to this question. So here it is. Of all the, the ideas discussed, uh, or maybe something we haven't have not covered yet, in your own words, how do we lead with practical and actionable love day in and day out? Mm, I think one of the most loving things that we could do at work is really create a safe space for people where they can feel like they, be, they can be themselves and they feel safe bringing forward their ideas and to really be themselves. And, and you can see, you know, as a leader, when you're helping uh, your employees, when you can see them light up, when you see their face light up and you and, and it just fills your heart because of that connection. Right. So if you're the type of leader who can feel it, uh, who feels it when when they see the, the people at work light up around them with a smile, a genuine smile, not one be, that they're making up. To me, that's that's really something that we should strive for, is to have those kinds of moments every day and to really value and appreciate the humanity of the people who take the time to come and help you achieve something important and that we can create a, a vision that's shared so that they own it. They're just as about excited about it as you are. And that's how you know you're doing the right things, is like when people light up wanting to do the work and they're going all out and and it becomes this really great synergy energy and it feels good. Yeah, I have walked into uh, workplaces like that where cultures are strong and there's communities that uh, of, of work where people, they feel like they belong. It's palpable. That's the word. It's palpable. You can literally walk in the room and feel the atmosphere like in that on those kinds of environments like wow there's a there's a energy here that i haven't felt before and you could say the same for real toxic places you walk yeah. in and it's like the air is sucked out of the room oh yeah yeah i get migraines <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it literally gives me a headache and 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 that's the thing you know who can achieve that feeling because i i really think it's you know you've done it right when you've got that feeling and the ones around you have that feeling, that good energy, and it's like you're charged and you're excited about work. And then that's when all the best, most creative stuff happens and things, you know, things flow. You get in flow together, right? So yeah, you're flowing yeah. together. And uh I I think if we can achieve work, you know, workplace cultures that do that and that it becomes more common, people will be healthier, more sustainable, more productive. It's going to be good for everyone. Absolutely. I also I was going to say that even body language, you can you can see a clear difference in people's body language. Their their health, heads are held high. There is direct eye contact being made in those kinds of environment. All right, Lisa, we bring it home with two final questions as we do with every guest personally. What's really tugging at your heart right now that you'd like us to know? Yeah. So two things. Um, I'll go, you know, on the more profound, difficult side is that there is this rhetoric happening about how, you know, being too compassionate. 
and workplaces. That's a myth. I mean, there's there's a lot of suffering. There are people committing suicide. There are people turning to workplace violence, people doing all kinds of things because workplaces are not compassionate enough. And uh, so let's not mistake pity, uh, enablement, uh, addiction, and all that with compassion. Compassion is like love. You can't get enough of it, right? There's never, it's always good to have more. So that's kind of on that side. Let's not mistake compassion for other things that are are making, uh, contributing to workplaces. On the on the more positive side, I have a lot of hope. I I, I love to talk about early leadership development. Um, I believe in leadership at all ages, all backgrounds, all levels. And I'm doing, yeah, I'm doing more work now with uh, children and how to help parents engage uh, their children in, in discussions about leadership. And what comes out is just beautiful. So that gives me hope for the future. When I can hear a child talk about, you know. And you ask him, you know, what's leadership to you? Oh, well, leaders are kind. They they do good stuff, you know. And and then you compare that, like, what does a boss do? Oh, a boss tells people what to do, you know. So th- <laughs> there's already so that that gives me hope. It it really tugs at my heart when I see children engaging with ideas about leadership. Mm. All right, close us out. You're away. What would be a really good key takeaway that you want to want to bring us home with? Yeah. Well, I I have hope for the pu- future. And that hope for the future is that together we can make the world a better workplace and we must. So glad we finally hooked up. This uh, this is going to be one of those conversations where I think I'm going to look back and say, oh, this is a top 10. This is top 10. So I so appreciate, we appreciate you being here with us and, and just uh, blessing us with your wisdom and your knowledge. So thank you again, Lisa. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. So glad to be here. Really. Thank you. Yeah. If people want to connect with you, can you point us out to your website and maybe another place they can connect and and, and get all the view? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um always welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. Lisa Anna Palmer. Anna with an A. <laughs> Not Lisa Ann Palmer. Lisa Anna Palmer. That's my Italian heritage. Um, and uh my website, I'm gonna spell it out because I have a bit of a Canadian accent that messes it up sometimes. So it's lightyourleadership.com. So L-I-G-H-T-Y-O-U-R leadership.com. Perfect. Well, you can keep the conversation going on social media with hashtag love in action podcast. And also look for my show notes on my website, marcelschwantes.com. You can find all the resources there, including Lisa's contact info. And if you'd like to watch rather than listen to our show, you'll find a YouTube link there as well. And finally, hey, we're always looking for sponsors to help us spread the love and action movement globally. If you're interested, let's chat. You can reach me on my website or find me on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to the Love in Action podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and watch your business grow.